0: Hello and welcome to Lessons from Leading Women, a podcast dedicated to uncovering what it takes to be a successful female leader in today's world. I am your host, Elena Wanvigdat, and this is episode four of the podcast series. Today, we will be talking with Christy Strauss. Christy Strauss is currently a board member, investor, and philanthropist. She retired from General Mills in 2013 after a 27-year career. During that time, she ran General Mills Canada for more than 10 years. She also ran Serial Partners Worldwide, CPW, a two-billion joint venture between General Mills and Nestle, which operated in more than 140 countries. It's very impressive. Thank you so much for being here, and I'm really excited that I'm able to do this. Can you hear me well? yes I can okay well let's get started I want to go in my first question and I want you to look back at your experiences and your education and your training especially at the university that you went to what elements of your background helped you become the strong leader that you are today
1: You know, I don't know that it was anything in particular in classes or school or whatever. But what I would say was important in leadership was the range of people I've worked with and led. So looking back uh, to time at school, it might have been extracurricular activities and leadership roles I've tried there and just practice and experience with different people. Um, I think you know, Growing up, it would have been my mother and father preaching the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but just the idea of how would you like to be treated, and if you think that way and put yourself in other people's shoes, that makes you a good leader. And then I guess most of my other experience is really on the job, and there I've learned from bosses. And interestingly, I probably learned more from bad bosses, not because they're anything I really want to be doing, but because you saw the things you would never want to do to someone else. And if good bosses made that look, you know, made the job look easy, you might not have noticed what they were doing, but I learned what I would never do from bad bosses.
0: San, did you have a mentor growing up or someone that you looked up to for advice?
1: You know, I wish I did. I'd say I obviously as a young kid, you learn a lot from your parents, but neither were involved in the high level professional white collar business world. And so I didn't see uh, people doing what I did back then or people who were like me. So I didn't have a mentor early on.
0: And people say that mistakes are one of the best ways to learn. Was there a mistake that you learned a lot from that relates to being a successful woman uh, leader?
1: I have so many mistakes I've learned (laughs) from. I'd say an interesting early one for me was I, as a new manager, I thought, you know, when you have your first people working for you and you're now a boss, that being supportive meant, you know, encouraging all the positive feedback, and that was being the best boss I could be. And I was honest about things I had to work on. But then when they worked on them, I was really encouraging about the progress. And it was opposite my instincts. But I learned that being blindly encouraging and positive wasn't the best thing. And that if someone wasn't succeeding, being really candid, not just about, you know, I always told them what they needed to work on, but I might not when they were making progress say, look, you're still in the bottom 20% on this skill, you're not gonna make it. And I think being fair to them on that, first of all, if you're really clear on what people are not doing right, They can surprise you and fix it and make it a lot better. But more importantly, maybe they're just not in the right environment for them. And you're being encouraging and encourages them to stay longer. And maybe they'd be better in a different job at a different place where they'd get appreciated. So, you know, it felt like being a good boss was being supportive, but I probably interpreted that wrong.
0: So at school we take this step one um, sort of examination that works to find what we're best at and what kind of job we would excel at. Did Mm -hmm. you have this sort of exam when you were in school?
1: No, I wish I had. In fact, (laughs) as we will talk later and you ask me about what what I would do if I were the principal of a school, it would have been things to learn more about yourself and your style and what works. Probably the closest I came to that was in business school, where you do a lot of teamwork and get feedback on your leadership skills, and that probably helped me learn a lot about myself.
0: And sometimes women are labeled as bossy when they're um, being confident, trying to lead. Have you ever been Mm -hmm. in a situation, and how did you overcome it?
1: I you know there actually is a what 's called the ban bossy movement now, if you haven't heard about that uh, it 's the idea that you never hear little boys or men called bossy <laughs> they 're leaders, but when girls are doing it they 're bossy, and so there really are people who are saying that we 're going to try to ban bossy and that word um i don 't think I ever heard that. But it's probably because my style was more typically female, where I showed this collaborative thing and wasn't as bossy. And that worked well with the teams I worked with and that worked for me. But probably to my bosses, they would wonder if I was enough of a leader and strong enough and authoritative enough. Sorry
0: so as it relates to young women, the mm-hmm. workplace has clearly evolved in let's say the past ten years. Um, mm-hmm. What's the most significant change that you've experienced and is there something that you wish would happen that hasn't happened yet?
1: Yes um, I think the biggest change I've seen and I'm looking more than ten years back let's say I've been out for almost 30 years from business school, so I've seen a lot of change. The biggest change is that I think you see a much broader range of leadership styles at the top levels. And that means that, you know, maybe not just with CEOs, but certainly with the level right below the CEOs. So it used to be everyone in those leadership roles had a very authoritative, hierarchical sort of command and control style. And of course, when I say everyone, I'm using a broad stereotype here. That wouldn't be true 100%. But that was a typical that was successful. And as a young business person starting my career, I didn't see people sitting in the executive wing who were anything like me. And so I didn't know that I could do those kind of roles. And I think today, you see roles where there are just different people. And you're more likely to see someone like you sitting in senior ranks. It's also more likely that the boss who is deciding your career sees someone like you who's a successful peer of theirs. So instead of dismissing, you know, oh, your style, you're not firm enough, they say, well, you're a little more like that person. So I think that broad, diverse range of styles is a real, real positive. In terms of what I still wish would change. I don't, and I don't know when this is going to happen, um, but it's it's been interesting to watch. I would say that the ideal perceived CEO style is still more stereotypically male than female. If you think about it, people just want to see this confident leadership, you know, firm, concise, and articulate, and if I were taking a broad stereotype of men and women, women don't project confidence in the same way, and they probably also are more wordy and less naturally articulate. And of course, you can work on, on this and work on your communication style and everything, but it just doesn't fit that stereotype of that successful CEO. It doesn't fit women's style as naturally as it does men's, would be maybe my perception. So the style that worked well for me with teams being approachable, authentic, non-hierarchical, sometimes self-deprecating, didn't really work well with bosses, let's say. And you'd adjust that style in your senior meetings, but it's still a little bit of a dilemma for women in in the workplace, I'd say.
0: And going on from that, what would you tell girls to get them to dream big and not doubt themselves so much?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think, um, I don't don't know if they doubt themselves or have confidence inside, but just don't project it the same way. Um, You know, it certainly would be trying to pump up women's confidence. I had a senior woman I promoted onto my leadership team who was terrific and went into a board meeting, knocked them dead, like just did one of the best presentations ever, which the board loved. And she came up to me after the meeting and said, was that okay? And I teased her. I said, you know, I have never had a male employee say, was that okay? They just assumed it was okay. In fact, they're more likely to come up and say, I think that went great, didn't it? And don't ever ask that. <laughs> so she has joked since because she's back working for male bosses and she jokes, I've told 20 other women that don't ever say, was that Okay. Um, so I think some things are finding ways to project confidence, but again, if women had and tried to project as much ego and confidence as a typical male, then that might not work well with their teens, if that makes sense.
0: And what are some useful pieces of advice that you think would benefit girls that want to go into marketing and business?
1: You know, I have a, a few areas of thoughts here. I'd say, first of all, it's like, make sure you're passionate and love what you're doing. So find something that you could really love, because you're just going to be at your best when you find that. And second, make sure the environment you're in is one that fits you. Because if it's just a square peg in a round hole, you could say, I love what I'm doing here, but I don't like the place, you're not going to be at your best. So let's assume you start with those two. Then on the job, I think there's two things. One is be curious, take initiative, go above and beyond. I had, you know, some employees working for me over time who would basically, you know, wait for my checklist of what they should do and then come report to me that it was all done, go home. And others who realized, you know, other than maybe a pilot who when they park the plane at the end of the day, their job is done, there's always more you can do. So it isn't about the hours you put in, but it's about recognizing if you're building a business, you should be full of ideas and be generating more and thinking of more ideas than whatever your boss puts on the to-do list. A corollary to that, though, is that while you're coming up with all these ideas, you have to make sure you always know which are the few ideas that will move the business the most and make sure you can focus on those and execute and get those done. And then the last pieces are probably about the people you're working with. And I think first, you need to learn to lead and trust a team. I probably got good feedback for empowering people that worked for me. And there are others who try to do it all themselves, thinking no one would do it as well. And the truth is, especially at senior levels, it's all about people. You can't do it on your own. So you better learn to trust the people working for you. And then also trust your bosses. I probably, when I sought out feedback, you don't always like what you hear. You like the good things and you want to ignore the yeah. things you don't like. But they always say feedback is a gift. It's, if you don't hear it, it doesn't mean people aren't thinking it. So if they're going to think or have some concern about something you're doing, you're hearing it means you can actually work on it or address it or whatever. So that feedback's good. And also, trust your bosses if they're asking you to stretch. Um, Sheryl Sandberg wrote a good book, Lean In. And I probably leaned in by taking moves to other countries, going – to run Canada when I hadn't been there before, and then moving to Switzerland for a global role there. For other people, it might be moving to new functional areas or taking a job they're a little less comfortable in. But even if you're a little less comfortable, if bosses are suggesting you broaden yourself that way, take the opportunities. Those would be my big things.
0: Were you ever in a situation where you felt, you know, slightly undervalued within a team of people you were working with?
1: It depends. I think I haven't felt that way with teams that, I'm, that worked for me and with me and saw me day to day. I definitely have felt that way since in the last 20 years of my career, my bosses were all long distance. I definitely have felt that, you know, they see your results, but they don't see what you did and how you did it. And I think sometimes maybe when we made it look easy, they just assumed it was easy and you, they didn't get to see the smart work and things you had to do to get it that way. Yeah.
0: Imagine you're a principal of an all girls high school and mm-hmm. I want to ask you what you would do differently or what would you ensure as part of a curriculum versus the standard high school today?
1: Yeah. And I, it's been a long time since high school for me and I wasn't at an all girls high school, but I think the, um, there are maybe two areas I'd be thinking about, like leadership and teamwork and then communications, you know. As you get more senior in an organization a CEO, it really is all about the people. Your technical skills matter less and less. And this is why you see CEOs move from you know, running a hospital chain to running a hardware store company because the specifics almost don't matter. It's the ability to lead people. And I think I got some of this in business school, but a lot of teamwork, um, feedback from that, time to try out different styles, learn your authentic style, what works with you, et cetera, would be really useful. And I think seeing um, that people work differently, they value different things, they're motivated by different things. You know, a a mistake you often make is assuming everyone's motivated like you are, and that's far from the truth. So I think um, more and more teamwork just gives you practice to see your own style, good and bad, and, you know, that old expression, know yourself. And then on the communication side, I I remember classes that, you know, were like speech classes or, you know, making a presentation that were all very formal. But I think um, practice, again, on finding your authentic style where you can project confidence but still be yourself, And, you know, authenticity is written about so much today, and it's hard to teach people how to be authentic. I think you are or you aren't. But the key is when you are your authentic self, how are you communicating? And are there ways that you could just tweak that to make sure it still signals the strong leadership style you want to signal?
0: If you had the chance to say something, if you went back in time and had the chance to say something to your 16-year-old self, what would that be?
1: Hmm, let me think. Um, well, I think I'd say, don't worry, it will all work out. (laughs) I think, uh, (laughs) No, you know, I exceeded like any plan I had for myself, you know, again, since I didn't have a role model or a person that was a CEO in my life, I never would have imagined I'd be at that role. I, you know, even when I started at General Mills, I thought, okay, I'll get to the manager level and then see what I do from there. So m- maybe it's dream big, because I I was always dreaming about exciting new things, but I probably didn't think how much was possible in what I could do in a career, so dream big would be one. And probably just that have confidence. You know, I think deep down I had confidence, like I know I'm as smart as everyone else. There's a difference between having confidence in yourself and having confidence that the people around you will see the skills you have. And that's maybe that, that difference for women is you can be confident in yourself but not confident your organization will recognize the skills you have.
0: Well, you've given some great advice, but I'm going to ask you if there's any last pieces of, of tools or advice or experiences that you want to share with the girls listening to this podcast.
1: No, I think the most important thing is find something you love, um, throw yourself into it, take risks and have fun and if you're doing all those things you'll be at your best when you're forcing yourself into an environment you don't fit doing something that you think you should be doing that will just come across and come out somehow so you know find the right place for you doing the right thing and I think you'll be uh, tremendously successful Mm.
0: I found very interesting what Christy said about knowing who you are, knowing how you work, and what your goals are to become the best leader you can be. Another noteworthy piece of advice that I learned was the importance of knowing how to work as a team and collaborating with others. Because even as a CEO, Christy stressed that the success of a company depends hugely on how well the leader cooperates with the people around him or her. Thank you for listening. I hope that you liked the podcast because I really enjoyed making it for you. I would love to hear what you think. If you have any questions or comments about my podcast on successful women, please contact me at 2424ELENA at gmail.com. Before I sign off, I would like to give a special thank you to my guests for being here and sharing such valuable advice because I think they can have a real impact. As well, I would like to thank Baron Schweigman for letting me use his recording studio and equipment that allowed me to make this podcast series a reality.